Welcome to You, Me, Empathy. Thank you for listening. We would like to remind you that this podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Known as just a silly boy with a feely heart. Please consider supporting the show. Check us out on Patreon or simply leave a review on iTunes. Here is your host and creator of the show, Known Wells. Oh, hello, feely humans. Welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast, You Me Empathy. My name is Known Wells, and I am the creator of this very podcast. And it is episode 92, uh, where I talk with my dear friend Brittany Walsh about rejection, fear, and being good enough. Before we get to this episode, episode 92, I just wanted to remind you that later in October... Episode 100 of this show will be here, which is just uh, bonkers. I'm so excited and grateful that we're already in under two years. January uh, 2020 will be two-year anniversary of Yumi Empathy. But in, uh, in October, less than two years, we've, we will reach uh, 100 episodes, which is mind-blowing. I'm, I'm so grateful that I've been able to keep it going, and it's it's thanks to you. It's thanks to you and your support and your listening and your reviews on Apple Podcasts. Please leave reviews and ratings. And so, um, to celebrate episode 100, by October 1st, I need your audio. I'm going to feature you on episode 100. That's right. Isn't that exciting? I want to feature you, because you are the people, you are the feely humans that make this show run and make it matter to me. I love you for that. And so I want to feature your voices. So what I need from you is by October 1st, uh, we're going to be celebrating the 100th episode of You Me Empathy. What I need from you, if you'd like to participate, you don't have to, but if you'd like to, uh, record five minutes of audio or less, no more than five minutes, on the theme of a personal experience that you've had with empathy, vulnerability, uh, and or emotional exploration. could be a seminal moment, a memorable moment, just an integral moment in your mental health and, and self-actualization, just related to empathy, vulnerability, and or emotional exploration. Again, five minutes of audio or less. Record that and email me, yumiempathy at gmail.com. That's yumiempathy at gmail.com. Email the mp3 audio file uh, with a subject line, 100th episode celebration. Uh, if you can, please try to record in a quiet place. Um, that would be great. Um, but uh, I'm going to take as many as many as I get, and we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm hoping to get more than I can handle. That would be lovely. But uh, again, record five minutes. Uh, I, I also shared an Instagram post on that if you need a reminder. Uh, so yeah, and, and again, the uh, cutoff date is October 1st. So please, uh, please share, and let's celebrate 100 episodes of Yumi Empathy. Pretty awesome, right? So, uh, okay. Again, make sure you are leaving reviews in Apple Podcasts. I haven't seen any in a while, so please do that. Helps out the show. It's it's free to 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 do that. Uh, and tell your friends. Get them to subscribe. The show uh, relies on you, good feely humans, and your big old heart. So please do that. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening, and enjoy. This episode, episode 92 on rejection, fear, and being good enough with Brittany Walsh. 
Welcome to You, Me, Empathy, a podcast about exploring the struggles we face in our day-to-day lives as humans trying to get by on this wondrous and overwhelming pale blue dot. The intent of You, Me, Empathy is to talk openly without judgment about our neuroses, our mental illnesses, our shared anxieties and worries, to create a dialogue that is vulnerable and deeply human and empathetic, and to share that dialogue with others to inspire emotional and cognitive collaboration and insight so we can hand in paw break down the stigma that make us feel shame and guilt for struggling, for feeling our feelings, for being feely humans. Yumi Empathy is a safe, friendly space designed to inspire the beauty in each of us. Today, I'm thrilled to be cozying up in the empathy den with writer Trash Panda, even though I have no idea what that means and she'll need to explain pronto, and fellow type 2 feely human Brittany Walsh. Hello, Brittany. Hello, hello. How's it going? Good, yeah. Um... Trash panda. It's a raccoon. Oh. Panda that lives in the trash. Okay. Um, okay. I'm a trash panda because um, I like to stay up at night. I like things that are trash sometimes. I enjoy things that some people think are garbage. Like no, not like not like true garbage, but I mean like um like a TV show or a book or got it. Something okay. like that. People are like, oh, that's so trashy. I'll be like, oh, I kinda like it sometimes. Like can you give me an example? Um Oh, shame will come to me, but um, I really like watching The Bachelor. Okay, I mean, I <laughs> honestly, I why would I judge? Like, <laughs> I, I've, I've never seen The Bachelor. I, I don't think. I it's mean, not I, great television. I will I, tell you that. <laughs> I mean, I understand your point, but I do think like we as humans need to get past this. Like, there's a lot of judgment in that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and you're self judging. Oh, but I you get a, a you and you recognize like maybe objectively it's not quote unquote good mm-hmm. TV, but you still get a lot of joy out of it. So exactly. that that's all that matters. Yeah, right? I, I'm okay with liking things that other people think are not. Yeah, <laughs> great. I mean, it's because, why I don't like the term guilty pleasure because mm-hmm. I shouldn't feel guilty about anything that brings me pleasure. Right. Yeah, it, yeah. it's just, I like I like to embrace things that make me happy, even if. Yeah. Other people want to judge for it. Just like I'm embracing it. <laughs> good. It's a good. It's a good trait. And um, yeah. so, trash panda. I like some trash things. I like stay up at night, and uh-huh. I have big circles under my eyes. I don't see that. <laughs> <laughs> I hit it today. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I got actual sleep. <laughs> okay. Um, interesting. Okay. Thank you for that, trash panda. One oh one. Well, thank you for being here. You thank are you. here. And in my house. Yes, it's yeah. super exciting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, only a few people have been able to do that for, uh, uh, of the You, Me, Empathy guests, so. Well, it's an honor. I like, I like your space. It's incredible. <laughs> Thank you. Well, uh, before we get into your story, we always do an emotional check-in, as you know. How are you feeling? Um, I've been doing better than usual. Okay. Um, I just, um, as I've told you before, just finished a two-week trip with my best friend, uh, Dee, and she came to stay with me, and, um... <laughs> Scooby. Scooby's moving around like a bull in a china shop. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I had her out here for a couple weeks, and we got to do a bit of exploring. We went um, out to Zion and up to San Fran. Oh my gosh, Zion is so beautiful. You know, that's where I went on my honeymoon. Really? We went camping for a week oh, in amazing. Zion. We only yeah. spent the day. We didn't have much time, but it was absolutely gorgeous. She's a photographer. Beautiful photography. Yeah, yes. I follow her on Instagram. Yeah, Incredible stuff. And it was really cool getting to see the world through her eyes. She's a type four for the Enneagram. Um, uh-huh. So... She's very good at showing, showcasing the beauty and everything. Nice. And so, you know, what a trait that is. Yeah. It was magical. And, um, you know, long distance friendships are super hard, but we got to do lots of really normal friends things. We spent several nights just like curled up on a couch on our laptops doing nothing in silence. And it felt so good to have that. Yeah. So that is a true sign of friendship. Yeah. Any, in any sort of relationship where you can just kind of sit and be with them. Yeah. Like you can sit in the silence and it isn't uncomfortable. It's just you guys doing your thing together. Yeah. And we got a lot of that time and it was really great. And, you know, getting to adjust to each other's little quirks and behaviors and day to day life, <laughs> more so her than her getting used to me than me getting used to her. Sure. But it was a really awesome experience and it's really helped my mental health. That's she's, awesome. Um, yeah. She's, Two weeks you had with her? Yeah, 18 days. So okay. A little over that. Um, but yeah, so she was staying with me and, you know, getting to know parts of my life. And um, I got to show her things I liked and we got to make new experiences together. So it was That's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Oh, there's something about just like that. For, I mean, it. It, it it's the way you're describing it is making me nostalgic for those types of friendships. And I, I'm not saying I don't have those, but there's something still kind of fresh and new about what you're experiencing with D. Yeah. Um, what have you, like you mentioned, uh, you showing different sides of yourself to her, what maybe that she hadn't seen before. Yeah. Um, so um, for example, I'm a very messy person. Um, I, I deal well within it. I'm cool with it. I can negotiate all my messes around me, but she very much likes things to be neat and orderly feels, um, she was having a lot of time, a lot of trouble spending time in my spaces and not going, Oh, you need, that's a mess. Oh no. But you know, she, she had to adjust to that. And so she got to see that side of me, like the physical chaos around me, um, I, I prepped her a little bit, but not enough. <laughs> but uh, she was a trooper with that. Okay. Um, you think it made her... Hold on one sec. Just try to get it a little bit closer. Like that? Because you're holding it like oh. a little bit over here. All good. That's <laughs> all right. Um, do you think it gave her some anxiety? The- I think I definitely gave her some anxiety there. Yeah. Um, I, you know... She was trying really hard not to, you know, fiddle around in my car, cleaning stuff up and trying not to make me upset by it, which it didn't upset me at all. Um, I appreciated all of her, you know, trying to help clean up my space and make it a little more conducive to a healthy environment. But uh, I know I was it was difficult for her to deal with it because it's uh-huh. not something she's used to and uh-huh. not something she gets to see with me a lot because most of our interaction is over the phone or, you know, like a little FaceTime bubble. It's not it's not everything all around me. Yeah. It's uh you're in it three, you know, every dimension. Yeah. Exactly. Uh do you and do you talk about mental health together? All the time. Oh, that's nice. Um honestly I credit her with the biggest strides I've made in mental health the last couple of years. Awesome. Um, 
she herself has gone through medication and therapy and stuff like that. So she kind of helped guide me into it going, hey, like this side of it can really be bad, but do it anyways. <laughs> and, um, you know, giving me the courage to share my feelings about mental health and how I'm doing. Um, one thing about her is that she's fantastic at recognizing those things in me. Um, she can tell when I'm not doing well without needing any kind of sign or indication. She just picks up on it right away. Yeah. And pretty intuitive. Yeah. She is very intuitive. Um, and an absolutely brilliant mind, uh, well-versed in all things psychology. So she recognizes and understands things when I explain them in my no therapy background. (laughs) (laughs) I'll say something. She goes, Oh yeah, that's, that's this thing. And you're like, Oh, Interesting. Right. Makes okay. sense. Yeah. So she's brilliant and she's been fantastic getting me kind of to make the choices to kind of make myself better. That's awesome. Yeah. That sounds like you had such a wonderful time with her. Yeah. It was. Did you both cry when you parted ways? Um, well, we didn't have much time to. When I dropped her off at LAX, it was like, a, oh, I, I don't want to cry. And then she had to go up the elevator because their security system is really weird. And you can't even get oh. towards security without yeah, sure, without having your ticket. And um, I sat downstairs and I was crying. And I was like messaging you. Uh-huh. I, like, I hope I'm crying. <laughs> I was like, I love her so much. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, we were emotional having to say goodbye but yeah it's not goodbye forever it's just goodbye until i have enough money to get over to her yeah <laughs> take my turn to see her. so you're next yes yeah you're next yeah. to visit yeah i'm the next one purchasing and flight. she's in new zealand yes which part of new zealand she lives in auckland okay yeah so you know uh, i've been to auckland of the north island yeah, yeah. i've never been <laughs> yeah i haven't been south of the equator but it's like a proper city yeah yeah real city real yeah. traffic yeah yeah <laughs> Well, cool. That's uh it sounds like you're in a good space. Yeah, it's been it's been good. How have you been doing? <laughs> Thanks for asking. <laughs> uh I've been pretty good. So um I've had some stomach issues mm-hmm. re uh, appear and it's the SIBO and and uh so the doctor is going to send me up to Cedar Sinai and up in LA okay. to see a specialist. Because I was I was basically taking some antibiotics that were supposed to help with all the stuff I was dealing with, and uh, um, it helped for a short period of time, but it's back, you know. And uh, I posted about like you know I I ran a trail half half marathon and like the whole day, and then days after, just the worst stomach pain. And cramping and and it was just it was not fun so dealing with that um my mood has been pretty good okay. i think you know i've been thinking about this like this podcast and think like i've been i've been like yesterday i had a conversation with um my friend bryn whose uh episodes out tomorrow actually as of this oh. recording and um we're talking about some businessy stuff um i I won't say much more than that because it's still sort of a mess in my noggin you know Mm -hmm. but that's very exciting and i've been thinking about how this project um has really been a obviously great for my own mental health but also a 
me coming to my own fruition in terms of my own identity and me seeing like, wow, this is really a validating, really a, um, like this, it feels right. It feels like I want to do more and more and more of this because it makes me feel great. And it just, I just like, it feels right. Like it's like the right puzzle piece in the spot. And it's just like, it's just a good feeling. So that has been like elevating my mood because I've had a lot of different interactions and I've been trying to reach out to different organizations to try to do more work and helping and um, in touch with a few doing some uh, writing and then in touch with Project Heal. Okay. Um, they're like an eating disorder uh, recovery group to do some volunteer peer-to-peer stuff. Um, yeah. So uh, that has been sort of uh, the writing high. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm so glad because this podcast, you know, doing incredible work. <laughs> I will tell you that as a um, longtime listener. Thank you. It does some incredible things. Mm. And I've got, you know, I've got a notebook full of notes <laughs> that I take whenever I listen uh-huh. going, oh, my gosh, that's such a good way to look at it. Or, oh, I should try that, too. Yeah. You know, it, it's you're exposing people to stories that matter and to people who can help open their eyes and make a difference. It's making a difference. I promise you. Well, that's why I'm here to just be praised and validated. <laughs> uh, <laughs> type two in me. <laughs> no, I really appreciate it. I, cause I need that every once in a while. Cause I do have moments where I feel, what the fuck are you doing? Why, like, why would, why would people listen to you? You know, I have those, that sort of self hating I'm part of me. Very familiar with it. Yeah. yeah. I right. have those too. Yeah. All right. Um, well, let's, let's jump into your story. Right. <laughs> so since you are one of the most avid listeners of Yumi Empathy, you probably know where I'm going, oh, uh, <laughs> uh, which is seminal moments, right? The things that stick out in your brain as being sort of integral to your, um, identity, your mental health journey. They could be from childhood. It could be from young adulthood. It could be recently. Right. What okay. are a couple that stick out in your brain? Um, well, starting with my, you know, foundational, who I am, um, you know, daughter of two very wonderful and still happily married people. Um, so I'm very lucky to be part of a nice and centered nuclear that is family. lucky. Yes. Very lucky. <laughs> <laughs> it contributes to mm. me kind of trying to push down my mental health, but, um, you know, going, oh, how can I, this person who has a really good background, go, oh, I have depression and anxiety and all these not so great things. Um, but I have a family history of mental health challenges um, on both sides of my family a little bit and, um, you know, kind of born into it. What kinds of um, things? Yeah, um, depression and anxiety on one side. Um pretty strong. Um, A lot of my family members have really struggled with, you know, intense panic disorders Mm. um, and uh, addiction problems. And, uh, you know, most of my family members have taken medication or taken therapy for it to treat it because it is, um, you know, deeply impacting functionality type Mm -hmm, situations. mm -hmm. Um, A little bit of, I'm not diagnosed, but looking into getting um, assessed for ADHD. Okay. Um, There's a few things that I exhibit 
and that's some of my family members exhibit that are ADHD comorbidities mm-hmm. um, and the depression anxiety can you know tie into that as well but sure. um, bit of rejection not a bit of a lot of a bit of a lot of rejection sensitive dysphoria um, so, oh no what does that mean exactly. uh, okay got okay so um, RSD it's a uh, kind of a separation from reality where you have overreactions to rejection. Um, so what'll happen is a person with this will go into a situation where they could be rejected and to them being rejected or being hurt is the worst case scenario. Um, it's something that has to be avoided for survival's sake. Gotcha. And um, you, are you saying you feel that very I definitely, well? I yeah. didn't even realize it until recently, but my dad was like, yeah, you've, you've got a pretty textbook case of this mm. um, because it's severe emotional sensitivity, physical pain from even the thought of being, you know, pushed away or feeling unloved or unappreciated. Um, and, you know, something like a, a text message that, you know, the person doesn't respond for 10 minutes can feel like they hate me. I'm not even their friend. They're just putting up with me. And the person texts back and you're like, oh, great, but I still have all these feelings like you hate me. Yeah. And it can be really difficult for making positive relationships and having, you know, reasonable levels of self-esteem. Um, Where do you think this comes from? I'm I'm not exactly sure. Um, maybe uh, I had some difficulties with um, bullying in elementary school. Um, nothing physical, just emotional and <laughs> sometimes the sometimes emotional verbal. is the, the, is the most <laughs> yeah, damaging. Right? Yeah. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will leave a lasting impression yeah. on my psyche. One hundred percent. But yeah, I had um, you know, I had people tear my friends away from me. I had um, people act like they were my friends and then make fun of me. Was this in like days. elementary school? Yeah, that was that was from like first through eighth grade kids are monsters they really are and it's really hard being like a a soft person who wants to see the good in everybody because i Mm. look at the people who did that and i'm like i have no compassion for you anymore i just can't do that because you did that to me yeah um so probably comes from that i kind of expect everyone to treat me that way um which you know i've never proven myself right but it still prevents me from living like a normal person. <laughs> now, when you were being bullied, and I've experienced, I, I, I had this bully in high school. Mm-hmm. For some reason, he targeted me, and he hated me for some reason. And he would, like, try to pick fights with me all the time. And I was, like, a sensitive, scrawny kid, and it terrified me. Um, anyways, uh, <laughs> when you were experiencing this bullying, did you go home and talk about it with your family? No, I don't, I don't think I did. Um, although I know, I know that my family members, like just, you know, within my nuclear family and then as well as extended relatives recognized that I was not doing well. Um, you know, my parents were able to see that I was exhibiting uncharacteristic levels of anxiety at five years old. Um, And what would you do? I, I would... I get overwhelmed and nervous by the slightest things. 
I, um, I had this habit. I remember becoming incredibly afraid that the people I love were going to die mm. and that the last thing they heard from me was going to be anything other than I love you. Mm. <laughs> um, and it, That's it, dark. It, yeah, yeah. You know, for mm. like a five, six, seven-year-old to go, oh my gosh, what if mom dies while she sleeps? And, and the last thing she heard from me was, no, I don't want to, or something like that. And so I kind of got this habit and my entire family has had to adjust to it. I still do it where I, you know, I end every phone call, every conversation, every night with I love you. Whether or not I'm mad, it's always reminding them that I love them. And to some people it comes across as me like kind of just saying I love you to say I love you. But me it's going, hey, like even though I'm feeling this way, um, I love you anyways. And I want you to know that. <laughs> um, so I do it with my friends, um, you know, grandparents who – Never used to finish conversations with I love you, now do, mm -hmm. um, which throws other family members off. They're like, when did that happen? I mean, it's a great, I mean, I think it's a great act to say yeah. I love you. But also, if it's a symptom of it's, this fear yeah. of rejection, fear of death, fear of making a lasting impact, positive mm -hmm. lasting impact, then that's... Yeah. Like, problematic right yeah it's like at its root it's like really wonderful but then you dive deep in and you're like oh this is this is a deep intense fear mm. and this is a child trying to push away this fear the only way they know how <laughs> you're trying to control exactly it's going yeah. well i can't control if somebody dies but i can control what their last words for me are right um and and you know sometimes i recognize it myself and i'm like ooh, should cool down but <laughs> Have you worked on this in therapy? No, I'm actually um, finally starting to try to put myself out there and get a therapist. <laughs> okay, for the I, first time? Uh, well, not necessarily for the first time. I did a brief period of therapy in college after I came back from studying abroad. Mm. Um, and What spurned that? Um, which is, I was adjusting back and somebody recommended that I do therapy because... A lot of people coming back from abroad have difficulties. I wrote my thesis on those difficulties. Right. So, um, like, I know that I know the challenges those people face. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I should have someone who can listen and help me negotiate through it. And it wasn't that bad for me because I was kind of anticipating it, and I looked at it from an academic perspective. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, it was it was nice, but it was I don't do very. Well, I think in just the talk therapy, I, I need something a little more oriented around coping. And the talking wasn't helping in the amount of time I was given. I was mm. only given a few half-hour sessions. And okay. so it didn't work for me. And so I kind of put it on hold. Sure. And then and I kept I, putting it on yeah. hold. Yeah. I do want to get into the, the mm -hmm. sort of the stuff that you wrote about in your yeah. thesis. But what... What kinds of things are coming up for you thinking about getting a therapist now? Like, are you scared? No, it's just, um, so last Because fear is a an emotion that's valid in this yeah. case. I, I definitely had a fear of therapy and of medication for a really long time. Mm. Um, but I hit a really tough mental health crisis um, starting in late 2016, um, you know, to the point where I was realizing that what I was feeling and the levels that my emotions were at were very unstable and I couldn't keep dealing with it. 
Um, it wasn't helping me in any side of my life. And so I begging my mother to take my hand and go with me to the doctor, started medication um, and started talking to my doctor about the depression, about the anxiety. Um, I don't it's think, a big step. Yeah, it was it was really scary at first. Um, kind of had that fear that I would be different because of it. It's common, yeah. Yeah. Totally get it. I mean, yeah. now that now that I'm on medication, I'm like, no. <laughs> but but it the was, truth yeah. is that that happens. That it can does. happen. You and know? I'm lucky that my doctor was um, very supportive and he was very quick to reassure me that the medication he was prescribing me, he had really great results with people. They felt normal. And I was like, oh, okay, normal normal for them, what they think is normal. And I was like, okay, I could work with that. So I started it. I tried it and had no side effects. So that was really great. I didn't want to have to give up, you know, better emotional stability for the sake of a side effect that I couldn't handle. Yeah. Um, and when, it's been good. Prior to that, when you were sort of leading up to, mm -hmm. to getting medicated, um, what were the things, like what were you, what would, what were your behaviors like in the house? Like what was like a strong indicator? Can you give me some examples of that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the way I describe it is my emotions were a spider web, right? So you've got all the extremes, you know, mm. in any direction. I was experiencing the farthest end of the extreme and medication got me to a reasonably in the middle. I still experienced the same whole range of emotions, just not as volatile. Sure. Um. I would have panic attacks and breakdowns and um, over really small, insignificant things. Um, and, you know, some big things. I had a panic attack when I was um, applying to a post-baccalaureate program because I thought that my resume wasn't good enough. And it kind of spiraled until I was inconsolable, couldn't breathe, felt like I was dying. Um, and then, you know, I would, I, I feel very terrible that my parents ever had to deal with it, that, um, that I let it get that far, but I would react to criticism in really, you know, it, it was like walking on eggshells with me. Uh, you know, my parents might say, Hey, go brush your hair. And I'd be like, <laughs> I can't handle it anymore out of nowhere. Just, mm. I'd be sobbing inconsolably yeah. for like the slightest little, hey, you should do this thing that might help you um, to the point where they were scared that I would, you know, break at any point yeah. over something insignificant. And they talked to me and I started talking to them about my feelings and how I was doing. And that was when I told my mom I'd be open to, you know, being seen and trying medication or trying therapy if just somebody would help me make the appointments. Um, you know, after the first two, I was fine on my own, yeah. but I needed somebody to walk with me through that. And my parents stepped up. That's like great. Another. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you still on that medication? Yes. And what is it? Um, I've been on uh, a pram, just um, generic Lexapro. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, and I like it. <laughs> it's been great. I've been fortunate not to have to deal with side effects. Um, you know, beyond if I if I forget to take a few pills, I feel a little fuzzy. But mm -hmm. beyond that, it's just I feel a little more capable of controlling my emotions or not letting my emotions control me. 
I used yeah. to, you know, I used to be guided by all of all of the wide range of feelings that I had. And now it's just like, a, oh, I'm, I'm feeling really sad today. Cool. Let's go do our thing. It's <laughs> kind of acknowledging it and moving on. That's which is, good. Yeah, it's a lot healthier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there seems to be this running theme in your life where you don't feel good enough. Yeah. Or bad enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, but the reality is there's no enough. There's no should, there's no, you know, like, I mean, I relate, like I do this to myself all the time, feel like a fraud, feel like I don't deserve love, all these things. Mm -hmm. Um, How are you working through that? Like, how are you, because there, I mean, I just know, like, I can't be in that all the time. It's such a dark place. Yeah. And it's such an anxious place. Because you're dealing with the emotions of others and you're like, you're trying to like almost like project control over their emotions and how they're going to react and like, which is just a futile task. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. Um, I think that the way I've started to try to, you know, take care of it is to allow myself things even when I feel like I don't deserve them, Um, you know, to... To like a certain what? extent. Like, um, and like, why don't you deserve them? That's that's the follow-up. <laughs> that's, that's a really good question. I'll start with that. I think it might be the rejection-sensitive dysphoria. Uh-huh. Um, I think that feeling that I'm going to be um, pushed aside or that I'm going to be dismissed or refused because of who I am, um, that I'm not good enough to have something I want or bad enough to take care of something I don't. Um I feel like it stems from that, maybe. No, the more I look into it, the more that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I'm trying to accept the idea that um, there are tons of people in the world who don't deserve things that they ended up getting anyways. You know, bad people with lots of power. Sure. You know, if... if Trump. A- yeah. If Trump can be president of the United States, then I deserve to go to therapy. You know, something like that. Like, Or just say, I deserve to go to therapy. That's true. Don't even bring Trump yeah, into just, it. Yeah, Trump doesn't need to be in the, here in the first place. <laughs> one of the sort of um, insidious parts of this, mm-hmm. and I'm relating to you very deeply, is the comparing part of it. Yeah. There's a lot of comparison in yeah. my life. You know, I, I growing up, I knew I wasn't happy. I knew I was not feeling normal. And at the same time, I was surrounded by people who had it worse than me. And so I went, well, how can I be depressed if this person I know is suicidal and I don't want to take my life? Like, how how can I be not doing well if I'm not at that level? And that's a really dangerous path for me to go down because the reality is, like, what is not good for us is all relative. You know, some people can thrive in a certain environment and some people are not made for it. And there's so many variables. Exactly. And there's brain chemistry at work. So much brain chemistry. And it's like, I, it took a really long time for me to go, oh, you know, I might not think that my, that I, that I have 
a bunch of trauma that needs to be addressed or something like that. But I can still deserve to go to therapy and try and make my life better. I can try to improve my quality. You deserve of life. happiness. Yeah. You deserve joy. You deserve love. Like yeah. all these things. So I'm, I'm yeah. trying to embrace that. Um, and it goes into every part of life. I'm like, oh, how can I deserve my friends? My friends are so good. Like I don't deserve them. And now mm -hmm. I start to like take a step back and go, oh, well, you know, they appreciate me too. And. You know, I, I can be a really good friend. Yeah, and, it's not one-sided. Yeah, and so I just kind of stepping into that and going, hey, like, let's try and, like, look at this a little bit differently. And, you know, even if you don't feel like you deserve it, you do deserve it. So go ahead and go for it. I want to do a little experiment with you. Okay. <laughs> I'm just thinking of this off the cuff. Um, tell me, Brittany, what you bring to a friendship. Like, what values you bring. Right. Um, because I consider you my friend. We've yes, we we. It's we a new friends. friendship, um, and it's exciting. So, yeah. what do you what do you bring to friendship? Um, <laughs> so hard. <laughs> um, I am very loving. I put my friends first. Um, and to a default. To a default. To a and detriment. To a fault. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I I can put myself too far on the line to take care of a friend and push myself aside. But um, I'm pretty good at expressing myself, I think. Um, so I'm good in a friendship to be able to offer something to someone else. And when I really need something, I can ask for it back. Great. Um, yeah. So, you know, if, if somebody is like, oh, should I be friends with Brittany? Well, here's the thing. I can give you a lot <laughs> and I will tell you what I need. <laughs> so it's a lot easier for you. Those are huge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I try and give, you know, quality time to people I love. Um, I'm fiercely loyal, fiercely protective. I, um, you know, I cherish my friends and I will fight anyone who tries to hurt them. I've done some things I'm not proud of for that. Um, got into a bar fight once, a very small bar fight. Whoa. Not intense, nothing so worth getting arrested for. So you're not like for, swinging chairs and throwing beer bottles? Not swinging but you know, you know, girl fights. <laughs> um, if somebody hurts my friends, I will... Did you punch someone? No, thank uh, God. Okay. I, you know, nothing, nothing that will get me in too much trouble, but sure. you know, you know. Couple yeah. bent fingers, All couple right. girls crying type okay, things. Okay. Like, I can I'm capable of it, <laughs> yeah. but I don't do it because I am a nice person. Uh -huh. I, I think I'm a good person at heart, even despite my you know, don't say despite. Be, well, you know, I can I can be difficult to deal with sometimes. I'm messy and I have a really bad habit of being late. Hey, this is about <laughs> what your this is about your values. <laughs> That's true. But I I love and respect the people around me and I will find the things in them that they don't notice and the things I love about them are things that they need to know mm. that they're capable of. You know, yeah. I, I can look at a friend and go, hey, you're really amazing at this thing or I really appreciate this thing about you. And, you know, my friends tend to go, oh, I had never even thought of that before, but wow, thank you. That's amazing. <laughs> so I, I like to do that and... um I'm a very affectionate drunk. Okay. <laughs> so, um, you know, get a couple of drinks in me and you will have a text thread of a million things that are positive about you to help you get through when you need it. That's nice. So yeah. that is, 
you know, a couple of things I bring to the table. There's many things. <laughs> well, I wanted to do that just because I wanted you to hear that out loud. <laughs> I wanted the listeners to hear that. <laughs> it's hard to say that kind of stuff. It is hard. I, I talk I, very negative about myself a lot yeah. of the time. It's, and I get it, but I want you to stop it. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm just kidding, but it's, um, it's clear that you bring tons to relationships and friendships, tons of value. Like those are the things that will be integral to long, like healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and people see that, yeah. you know? So I'm uh, lucky, embrace it. Yeah, I have people around me who you definitely see that. <laughs> deserve it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I'll get off my high horse. Um, I totally understand the not sick enough thing too. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's a really good. Uh, that's really uh, something that we all have probably felt at some point. Because it's the comparing thing. We think about people in our lives who, oh, like this person, like you said, this person's had uh, suicide attempts or something. Or this person has a psychosis-based disorder. And I just have depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's that just. It's just. It's the just. Mm-hmm. It's the shoulds. But this point can't be re- reiterated enough. There are no just, there are no shoulds. It's just what is. Mm-hmm. It's just what is. And um, the sooner we recognize like what we're experiencing is like unique and valid. Not unique in that like other people can't relate to it, but it's valid and it's true and it's our true emotional experience, mm-hmm. the better we will be because then we can start doing the work of looking inward and asking the questions because if we're focused on others we're we're taking away from the energy and we're just we're demeaning ourselves yeah we're not giving ourselves the attention that that we need yeah i think um, especially you know um in friendships i think it's really important to be validating the people around me that's that's another thing i bring to the table (laughs) (laughs) i love validating people um because but you don't like validating yourself. I don't. Yeah. You know, I'm really good at what's the same thing as like, you know, being a, a type two. It's like, you know, it's really easy for me to go out and give people love and attention and take care of them. But when it comes to me, I'm like, I don't know who, who's she like, why should I do that? But the reality is like, can't pour from an empty cup. I, I need to take care of myself, too. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's hard to look at something and go, oh, yeah, like, just because it's in my head doesn't mean it isn't real. And just because I think that I don't have it bad as somebody else doesn't mean it isn't bad. So, you know, stamping on it and going, yep, that's real. Yep, you feel that way. Totally right. It's hard to do to myself, but it's really easy for me to do to other people. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's helped me in this regard and in coming to terms with this idea and, and, and trying to be gentler to myself is um, my siblings, we've all have uh, like, I'm the only one that doesn't have a relationship with my father mm-hmm. and I've gotten some grief for it. I've gotten, you know, some questioning. I think they're all at a point where, where they're respecting my decision. Um, which is nice. And my sister has been very protective and it's felt good and, and validating, you know, but I've, I 
last year I brought up the whole situation where my dad threw the cat off the balcony situation. Yeah. And like that memory is so distinct in my memory and so uh like it was so traumatizing like seeing that. And I in a sort of email chain with my mom I was like relaying this like hey remember this thing happened? She's like that didn't happen. Like your dad would never do that. He wouldn't have just made that up. <laughs> and I was so upset by that and angry. Um, and then I, so I went to my sister and was like, Hey, um, you know, mom's saying this, like, you remember this, right? And she's like, yeah, that happened. And that was validating. But I think the point is, is that even if it didn't happen exactly the way I remember it in my head and memory's fallible, of course, Mm -hmm. The emotional experience was as real as can be. Yeah. And it impacted me in a way that is as real as can be. Mm -hmm. Um, And we, I guess I bring that up because I think that um, it's the comparison thing. It's the feeling like our experiences aren't valid. Mm -hmm. Um, um, You know, I, I had the pressure from siblings feeling like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be impacted this way by my father. But the reality is I have been. Yeah. And I've had to like own that. And it's allowed me to really grow in a lot of ways um, because I was hurt and I was traumatized, you know, and for a lot of different shitty things he did, you know, and I've had to just own that and say like, look, you are different. Even people in the same household same blood, they were impacted differently than I was. Yeah, you know? and there's like some experiences that were more susceptible to being affected by, you know, even just like a slightest little change in our brain can cause us to see things in a way that another person doesn't. We're all different. Totally. <laughs> we're all really different. But I think, um, you know, the the reality of truth is that it does very much vary between people. And It's a matter of taking in, you know, factual things, factual things that happen, plus how we experience them, plus what we take away from them. Mm -hmm. The combination of those three things are what gives us our truths. And, you know, everyone can have the same exact event happen to them, but they experience it from a different side and everyone takes something else away from it. It makes, you know, hundreds of different permutations of how we understand something that has happened. And I think that's empowering. Yeah. I think it's exciting that different people can have different interpretations, right? Yeah, I, and I think it's really essential because we live in a world full of people who are so different and see things from different sides of things, you know, who have different religions and traditions and yeah. are in different places at different times. And when we take into account all these facets, what they bring to the table, what they take away from something and how they see it, you know, you can take a single moment and turn it into a woven story that is truth, you know, Mm -hmm. just because somebody doesn't see something the same way doesn't mean that they're wrong. It's just, that's what they saw. Yeah. And taking that step forward and going, yeah, I remember this thing and it 
deeply traumatized me and I am changed because of it is truth. And whether or not, for example, your mother remembers it. Yeah. Doesn't change the fact that it happened and it affected you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, even if your brain tried to cover it up with a different kind of memory and sure. changed it, still, you were still affected by it and yeah. it still shaped you. Yeah. And so it's your truth and it's important to validate and recognize it and give it that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> hearing you say that makes me think of like, really what we're talking about is such an important part of empathy. Yeah. You know? Like when we when we recognize, take the step of recognizing that each of us has unique experiences and different truths, and they're all valid. That's such a perfect foray into understanding and growing empathy, don't you think? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, I've always been a kind of drawn to things that foster that. Um, where I take away those three in combination came from um, historical theory that I loved when I was studying in college, which is that um, history is the combination of an event experiences and the mythologies we take away from it. Because, Mm. you know, um, how an event plays out is cold and lacks humanity. Um, Because you can look at a battle and go, this thing happened happened at this place, was caused by this event, this many people died, mm-hmm. right? There's just facts. That's just facts. Yeah. And we can prove it and we can, you know, construct our idea of history around it, but it lacks the human substance. And the reality of history is that we're studying people as well. Um, and when you take into, a, take into account all the experiences surrounding, every single person has a different story to tell about it. And we as a culture try and put it together and hold on to a certain part of it, right? Like take, for example, Thanksgiving, right? We had an event. Whether or not it happened, the way everyone says it happened, there was an event, there were pilgrims, there were Native Americans living in the same space. Mm -hmm. And there were different sides to the experience. There's a Native American experience, there's a pilgrim experience, and you combine those together and you create a story that is history but what matters most is what we is is where we combine that with what we take away from it and you know for me i always see people talking about how that's not really how it works that's not what life was like back then that's not how pilgrims treated native americans and i see a group of people who want to think that we were good, kind people, and we were fair and loving to our neighbors. Mm. Even when, you know, we caused genocide and disease and terrible, terrible things to a group of people who didn't deserve it mm-hmm. <laughs> at all. But we take away this side where we want to think that we cooperated and that we they were kind to us and we were kind back. Mm-hmm. And that tells me a lot about people as well, that we value those things, but we see this disconnect when we don't act that way. And that drags into every other part of history, and it ties it all together to create this image of people and what we do and how we react to what we've done. And it it really opens up my eyes to other people around me, you know, 
I can see people who have beliefs that just that I disagree with. And I can go, wow, I really think that's wrong. But I can see why. I can see what's happened to you to make you feel this way. I can see that you have felt ignored or unappreciated or cheated. And now you have closed yourself off in this way or opened yourself up to this idea that's kind of put us into a little bit of conflict, but I see where you're coming from and I understand you. Mm. And I, it's very hard for me to do that in some cases, but I try my best because the reality is everyone is experiencing the world differently and we're affected by all the little facets of our lives. And we have to be able to look at people that way. Mm-hmm. And accept all the different sides of their history to be able to embrace them and to be good people and to love each other. Except except Trump, right? Trump is one of the people I can't excuse. (laughs) I'm trying to. I really don't know how to do it. And it's been a two-year fight to try and understand that man. Yeah, I mean, I I love everything you said. I I think that um, it's such a beautiful representation of, of... uh, meeting people where they are, mm-hmm. giving them the space to be who they are based on their own experiences. Yeah. Um, don't not bringing our shit into it. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, thinking our perspectives or our ways of thinking is superior or should um, overwhelm theirs. You know, like yeah. that's that's arrogant. Yeah. It's and it's foolish and short-sighted to think that I think something better than someone else. Yeah. Because the reality is we are all doing our best to figure this world out. The world doesn't make sense. Um, But we're trying to do our best to survive it and to get through it and make sense of it all. And it would be wrong of me to look at someone and the way they see the world and go, that's wrong. (laughs) Just push them aside. There's no, like, there's no, um, there's nothing beyond that. Yeah. I feel like life is about connecting with other people on a level that's uh, deep and about the uniqueness of each other and the beauty of humanity. And when we come to it with, like, you know, this arrogance that we know something more than them or our way is right or whatever then there's no growing beyond that. There's just a stop. There's no connection. There's just dismissal. And the best way to, you know, approach those situations is to open yourself up and learn that person and let them learn you. That's how we cooperate. And that's how we grow. That's how we develop new ideas. And, you know, if we step into that and just push them away, it's never going to do any good. That's not how we make world peace. That's not how we solve the problems of our day. That's how we perpetuate this dark hateful inhumane existence you know it's better to open yourself up and let people in and let them let you in too everyone on this earth is trying to connect in some way shape or form and it's a disservice to other people to just push them aside and everyone belongs yeah we're all here this is our little pale blue dot (laughs) yeah that's right do you like i I, do you think you got some of this sort of frames of thinking from your parents 
I definitely think I got a lot of it from my parents. Um, my, so I was raised Catholic, but not uh, strictly so. Okay. Um, I went to Catholic school, but my Catholic school was filled with people from different races and different religions, which was totally cool to me. Yeah. But, you know, the sure. idea that someone who practices Islam would want to go to a Catholic school. Yeah. Like, that's super cool. Like, yeah. right on. Nice. <laughs> well, thanks for learning my religion. Let me learn yours a little bit. Um, so I was surrounded by people who were different from me. And my parents at home were always, you know, they encourage kindness. My dad is always quick to catch me if I start, you know, getting on my soapbox and being like, this person thinks this thing and that's offensive and terrible. He goes, okay, well, let's just think about what they're, what's motivating them. Mm. Um, he's very quick to kind of drag me back down if I kind of get mm-hmm. a little too mm-hmm. into that thought. Cause I need work on it too. I'm not perfect in that sense no one at is. all, Yeah, but I'm trying. And he, yeah, my parents definitely encouraged that in me. And I think it's made me a very open person. Um, I, I mean, I love learning about different cultures and different religions and different experiences because, you know, I, I only have this small corner of my world and that's not the entire thing. Well, that's the beauty of, and the richness of life Yeah, is like the opportunity, like to learn that stuff, Exactly. you know, like that's, I think that's such an amazing gift that we, that we know so little and there's so much to know yeah right there is we will never stop learning about each other hopefully oh yeah (laughs) yeah because it does take action it does take consideration yeah like on the part of the feel the human it does take like a choice yeah it is a conscious choice to wake up every day and choose to be the most empathetic and loving and open person you can be it's hard work, but it it's is. worthwhile work. Oh, it is one hundred percent. So one of the things like you um, brought up to me prior to recording was this idea of chaos. So I've I've talked about chaos on this show before um, a little bit, and I, I I'm curious to hear your thoughts and your perspectives on it. I'll give mine. Yeah, I to a default to a fault uh, like chaos as well. Um, not necessarily in the sense of, you know, the house is in, in disarray or something, but to the sense of, like a perfect example of it is when I go for a hike or something with Jessica. Mm-hmm. She likes to know how long are we going to go, where are we going, where are we going to end up. Yeah. And I like and cherish and just live it up uh love to just like who knows we're just gonna go and it's an adventure (laughs) and chaos reigns you know um and i i like a bit of that and i i think it i think it's because i'm a bit anarchist uh, uh a little bit um i like the uh part of it that is speaks to this control thing right I struggled with control and I think it's like sort of led into my eating disorder. Yeah. And for me, it's about letting go of control and saying, hey, there's so much to know. I don't know everything. There's so few things that are in my control. 
So I'm just going to let this thing be and just see how it goes. And some for some, that's scary and terrifying or um, cavalier. But for me, it's a relinquishing of control. It's a giving into this pale blue dot. Mm-hmm. So that's my perspective on the chaos. I mean, I could take it a little too far with Jessica just <laughs> yeah. to make her annoyed. Yeah, um, I can definitely empathize with her. You know, my little anxious body, like, oh, yeah, I like to know when I'm going home. But um, uh, Paul Muldoon, uh, the Irish poet, had this really great quote that I love. I brought it because I was like, uh-huh. I love it because it's about chaos. Okay. Um, and he says, we are assailed by randomness, by a world that doesn't add up. But having said that, I wonder, do I really need to be reminded again and again about how the world doesn't seem to make sense? Maybe it makes perfect sense. If your vision of the world is chaos and flux, if that's how you get out of the bed, get out of bed in the morning, you don't really need anyone to remind you of it. So that always, I heard that a few years ago and it really resonated with me because I came to this realization that the world around us is chaos. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, The world around us is chaos and there's a beauty in it that I really do love. I don't like you know, being in my room and surrounded by things out of place, that that doesn't bring me joy. Mm-hmm. But some things that are chaotic in nature do bring me joy. Um, I once had someone call me in conversation a maelstrom, and I'd never felt did more, you know, I never felt more complimented in my entire life. I was mm. like, I am a maelstrom. It's a Thank good word, you. too. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like a really good one. But, you know, the world itself the planet we live on is constantly evolving and changing. And with it comes all these natural disasters and things beyond our control. And if that's the way the world is supposed to be, it's totally okay for me to have a bit of chaos in myself. Um, You know, it's, you've got like a little bit of little pale blue dot in your heart. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm I'm just a, baby size earth us. yeah We're trying to be mirrors to this earth exactly and um uh there's that one quote i can never remember who said it but you have to have chaos within you to give birth to a burning star or rising star something like oh, that oh that sounds Nietzsche. familiar but um Nietzsche? maybe oh, okay. um but i i love that because you know all good change is preceded by some kind of chaos, right? The earth had to go through catastrophic change to even be able to produce life. Mm-hmm. Um, land is created by chaos in itself. You know, volcanoes coming up from the ocean is chaotic and terrifying, but it makes the land that we live on. And chaos can be dis- uh, uncomfortable, right? Yeah. But as you and I both know, in discomfort is where we find the gems. Yeah, it- it's where we find you know, truth and the things that drive us. And, you know, for me, my mental health is my chaos. And I do my best to find beauty in it, to find the positives it gives me, to find the positive change it's making in me. Like, you know, it would be nice to not be sad (laughs) and feel empty and feel anxious. But the reality is it makes me a better person. And I can't trade that for anything because it's vital to who I am. And I appreciate it for what it's done for me. Even all the shit it's dragged me through. Sure. Like So, you know, I'm, I'm all about embracing chaos and 
you know, giving it the space to do its thing and to let the change happen. Change terrifies me, Mm -hmm. but I know it has to happen in order for things to become better Mm -hmm. Uh, and worse, but mostly better, (laughs) you know? And I, you know, I'm learning to embrace the idea that my idea of the world is chaos and flux and it's not perfect. And it is sometimes volatile and sometimes takes me and throws me and tries to drown me. But I get up and I push through and I start making the repairs I need to make. I start rebuilding. And in that rebuilding is growth and is life. Hmm. I love that. Thank you. Do you, another aspect of chaos for me is um, I don't fear death in any way. Do you fear death? So much. You do? So, so much. It's, it's I figured that terrifying. that was the case. Um, yeah, so I... Because of the how people will talk about you when you're gone? No, Or just because, like, that. I want to do all these things and I don't want to die? I, I don't know what it is. I think it's the idea of something stopping. Mm. You know? If, do you believe in an afterlife? I like to believe in one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I'm never certain. Um, but, you know, being Catholic... Has that? Do you, so you know, still practice Catholicism? Very lightly. Okay. Um, I, I will say this: I belong to the Catholic Church, and I do really love the rituals of the Church. Sure. I like going into church and knowing that these are the prayers we're going to say in this order, and we will kneel at this time and stand at this time. It feels right. It feels like home. I grew up with it. I was surrounded by it in elementary school. I. I, there was a point before 2011 when they changed all the words that I had every part of the mass memorized, even mm. the priest's part. Um, and it gave me comfort mm. because it was something I knew, something stable I had to hold on to that I understood and could appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, but on my best days, I'm a bit more of a pandeist, you know, mm-hmm. this idea that, you know, God kind of turned the clock and became the universe and set us off running. And everything that comes is because it had to come. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little helpful trying to, you know, picture how bad things can happen in the world when I think of it that way. You know, it's just the universe running its course and doing what it's supposed <laughs> to. Um, but I like to think that there's an afterlife and that, you know, once we're done on this plane, that there's something else for us. But I never know for sure. <laughs> no one <laughs> you just does. You kind of have to have the faith and the confidence to but say that. But you do have but... some faith that maybe that that will be the case. Yeah. Does that, in that faith, does that give you a little less anxiety and a little less fear about dying? It doesn't help. (laughs) No. Yeah. Well, because I think, I think one of the fears for me is that, um, is the, I, I only recently had to deal with grief for the first time. Um, my mental health crisis. So it started right around election time and then, um, hit me. Like a lot of us. Yeah. It's just hard. And then I lost my mentor who kind of drove me towards my career. And that was my first real punch in the gut, recognizing what loss really was. The mentor died? mm -hmm, He passed Mm -hmm. away. And um, I'm getting through it. I'm just glad I was blessed with his, you know, his guidance in my life Mm. that he kind of helped shape me into who I am today. But, you know, that was, it was tough going, oh, wow, I had this thing. At one time, I had this person I could talk to, and now they're gone. And mm-hmm. there's there's no way for me to 
go back in time and fix that or say the things I wanted to say. Mm. And then um, within a couple months, I lost my grandfather who um, he is kind of where I got a lot of my mental health struggles from. And he was always really good at imparting wisdom to me about that and about life in general. Um, and, you know, one of my last conversations with him was about dealing with anxiety and dealing with addiction and how he was able to pull himself out of it and how he gets through it every day. And, you know, it gives me comfort to know that he had it too. And that's where it came from. And, you know, if he could get through it, so could I. And all of these things, but I lost him and I never really got to say, thank you for teaching me all of these things. Mm. Um, And I I deal with some intrusive thoughts about death a lot of the time. Um, I know a lot of people have intrusive thoughts about causing harm to others or to themselves. Mine are particularly oriented around harm coming to me and not in a you know, selfish, like I don't want to die type way, but I picture these really dark, terrible things happening to me, and I have no control over it. Mm. Um, I've had some pretty terrible ter- tailspins come out from, you know, just a singular moment where a thought strikes me and I can't let go of it, and it's mm-hmm. there, and there's nothing I can do to prevent that thought from pushing through my brain and taking complete control over my emotions and how I behave. Yeah. Um, and you know, some of them are some of them are just not very harmful. They're just you know, kind of a weird thought that makes me uncomfortable. And I go, "Ooh, no, I didn't want that. Thank you, goodbye." But some of them persist, and mm. the ones about death are the ones that persist the most. Um, on the drive over here, I was reminded of one, um, which I don't really have as much of a reaction to anymore. But um, I used to have this image of me losing control over a car on the on the two forty one. Just every mm-hmm. time I drive it, I go. Oh, no, no, no. Hold tight to the steering wheel. Breathe. You're going to get through it. And mm. I pass through it. I'm fine. Yeah. Um, but it's like a constant. Every time I drive past that one little intersection, it's like, oh, remember that thought? Welcome back. Interesting. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, it's difficult to deal with some days and some of them are much worse than others. Yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, it's a, this constant in the back of my head. It's It's my anxiety cropping up and coming up with as many different possible situations and putting me through the worst case scenario. And to me, the worst case scenario is death Mm. Um, followed shortly by rejection. (laughs) But my, my brain will go, okay. What if you were meant to die and you tried to die, but then you didn't. I mean, that's like the ultimate rejection. (laughs) Death didn't you want me? Yeah, no, it's, it's just, it's, difficult because you know i want to live my life to the fullest and do all these exciting things but then i'm caught in a little thought that grows and grows until it's a forest around me that i can't cut through Mm. you know i i wanted to go do things when i was abroad i was like i want to go to this country i want to go do this thing by myself and have an fun adventure and they go what if i get murdered Mm. and then the the thought just keeps coming back and i go okay guess i'm not going to go have fun today because i might die (laughs) Um, and it makes it hard to live daily functional life because I'm constantly afraid of what if this thing kills me? What if this thing kills me? And the reality is the world can do that. And I don't have control over when it happens to me unless, yeah. you know, unless I was feeling that way and I 
wanted that for myself, but I'm too afraid of death to even mm. step into those thoughts. My brain won't suggest them all the time, <laughs> but it's yeah. not something I want for myself. So I'm terrified of it. Mm. Um, so interesting. I, I never think about death. Oh, that's, that must be nice. <laughs> well, it's, you know, I'm trying to like understand like what's going on there for you. Yeah, um, I I wish I understood. I, I, you know, I'm kind of eager for therapy to yeah, kind of dive I, I into hope, that a little bit. I, I'm, I'm eager for that for you as well, because I do think that that, sh that could be helpful. Now, you know, a professional, yeah. not a silly human like me can have some insight, some real insight. Yeah, I'd like, to, I'd like to do that deep dive and see what's lingering under the surface <laughs> to kind of draw that I out. I mean, I would argue, again, not a therapist, <laughs> that... It is related to the feeling, the worry about rejection. It is related to the not good enough. Mm -hmm. It is related to the um, how will other people perceive me. It Maybe. is related to um, just your anxiety brain. Yeah. Oh, it's it's anxiety brain going on overload. Anxiety brain loves that stuff. Yeah, and I, <laughs> you know, and I think. Um, yeah, trying to let go of some of that is is could be beneficial. But yeah, I hope you find some peace in that. <laughs> Thank you. Because a constant fear of death, you're right, as you as you point out correctly, can take away the present. Yeah, it, it takes a lot away a lot of fun, exciting things. <laughs> you know, I could I could be doing a lot more with my life if I mm. wasn't so tied down by it. Yeah. Um. But you know, that's kind of why I want therapy now and why I started pursuing medication because you know it's that's not living <laughs> do you think uh there you could benefit from like a uh, medication for anxiety well my so my doctor prescribed my Lexapro for the anxiety not for the depression okay interesting. Um, and it has helped okay um it doesn't fix everything but it has made I don't it remember easy Lexapro. to bear I, I, I was on Lexapro as well like mm -hmm. right after like in my late teens, early twenties, I don't, I don't remember it very well. But yeah, um, my my at least according to my doctor, it it is good with women being able to kind of reduce the anxiety a little bit, make okay. it a little more manageable. And my intrusive thoughts are much more manageable now. <laughs> Wait, it's a medication for women. Well, no, for just women kidding. it works great. I'm t I was taking women <laughs> drugs. I'm just kidding. Oh my goodness! No. How um, dare I am a man? No wonder you're feely. <laughs> I am a real man. I'm just kidding. Um, no, he yeah. he deals with um, a lot of his female clients have the most success on Lexapro, okay, and um, most of the women I know who are on medication for their anxiety are on Lexapro, Lexapro. as well. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, which is, you know, kind of nice. I'll be like, <laughs> text one of my friends and be like, hey, I feel really fuzzy right now and it kind of feels like this. And they're like, take your medication. And I'm like, oh, wait, I've missed it for three days. Oh, and gosh. It's, yeah. like, it's good because I have these people who go, oh, I know exactly what you're feeling. That is helpful. Here's what it is. Yeah. Here's how you fix it. <laughs> nice. Um, like my first couple of days with it, I was like nauseous. And sure. I, was like, I can't take this. And my friend texted me. She's like, yeah, you'll be nauseous for the first couple of days, but then it's gone. So keep taking it. I'm like, yeah. okay, fine. And it was gone. And it was all good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so most of the people I know who have anxiety and are treating it, the women in my life at least, mm -hmm. are also taking the same thing as me. Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> kind of like uh, it. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I remember skipping a day of my Vibrid, which is for the depression, and... 
like I always take it at night and it, the next morning, maybe eight o'clock or something, I felt so off. I mm. felt like such a darkness oh. and, I, and I was like, what is happening? I feel like so disconnected. It was like I was on like a team retreat. Mm -hmm. I felt so disconnected from everyone. I was, and then I was like, oh, I didn't take my, my, de my depression med last night. Like, yep, that's, that's <laughs> something do it. I should take. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm lucky right now. I get, um, like kind of random, uh, allergy responses. I, I have year round allergies, Me but too. I found in the last year or so that if I don't take my allergy pills, my skin itches everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's really great because now I have a built-in, hey, you didn't take your meds button. That's true. Like, yeah, oh, you have a sign. Itches. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, why do I? Oh, meds now. That's helpful. Okay. <laughs> very yeah. helpful. I like that. I like that. Um, one of the things that you also mentioned to me is this, your your gratitude practice. How does that work for you? Like, what do you do? Right. And how does it help you? Um, so I try and, you know, it's still a work in progress, but I try and give thanks for things around me, um, whether they're good or not so great. Um, I try and write down something I'm grateful for every day. Um, just a little bit of journaling, just, just, just a little blurb being like, I'm really grateful for friends today or for coffee that tastes good or, you mm, know, okay. find something because yeah. there's always something to be grateful for. But I also like to give um, gratitude to, you know, things like my mental health, right? Like I do not have the most positive relationship with my mental health, but I do like going, hey, depression, thanks so much for you know, taking good care of me, anxiety, thanks for making me safe, you know, depression, thanks for giving me some extra perspective today. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. Because, you know, it's been a constant in my life and I don't plan on getting rid of it and mm -hmm. I don't think I can, even if I tried. <laughs> so I, I try to... It's really accepting. It's a yeah, lot of acceptance. Accepting there, yeah. and embracing it. It's like, I'm okay with being a person with depression and anxiety like i can that's an identity i can take it's just part of me but it is an important part and you know it's a lot easier to say i'm thankful for what it's given me than i'm resentful for what it's taken mm. um i i try to show gratitude to everyone in my life you know being able to say hey thank you for listening to me or Thank you for spending time with me. Thanks for that hug. It felt really great. Or, you know, any kind of small act to show my appreciation. I like to express my appreciation. It's the type two in me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, all in all, especially with the mental health, going, thank you. Appreciate you. Would love if you were a little less heavy tomorrow. But, you know, thank you for being here. And thank yeah. you for making me me. Oh. And um, I found once I started doing that, it kind of became more manageable mm -hmm. because, you know, um, when I feel empty, I don't have to feel so miserable or so anxious or so filled with anger or, you know, that kind of manic joy I can just sit and settle and be me. And I'm like, yeah. thank you for the space for me to have some quiet or to get a new 
lease on life or whatever mm-hmm. it may be that yeah. gives me. Um, and it's connected me with some of the best people I know. It's made me a more empathetic person. And, you know, um, it lets me be a better friend to people, a better family member. It lets me listen, lets me open myself up to people. So, you know, for everything it takes away, there's so much more that it gives. I see the world so differently from people I know who don't experience any mental health conditions or have never had to even think about being depressed Mm -hmm. (laughs) and what that might feel like. So, you know, it's, it's better to be grateful, to wake up and be grateful, to go to sleep and be grateful it makes it easier to cope in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm, that's what I'm trying to do. That's great. If there's one thing like mental illness, uh, our struggles give us is its perspective. Really? Yeah, truly. I, I, I can't remember and if it's it was a gift. you who posted it. Really it really is a gift. But yeah, you can't, you can't understand people as well if you haven't been there. But once you've been there, you can really be there for people and make an impact in the life of someone else, whether it's giving them a brief moment of joy or comfort, you can do something meaningful for the people around you and, you know, understand them better, help them be heard. Um, It's important to feel heard in everything. And, you know, if you know what it's like to not feel heard and not feel happy, you can better, help provide that to other people too. And it Absolutely. makes people yeah. feel good. makes me feel good. To yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really is a thing that as you're doing, it makes you feel good, but it also is giving yeah. that, that great feeling to others. It's like spread the joy. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit of it. No, totally. Um, well, let's, uh, let's start wrapping it up. Cool. I think that's a great, beautiful spot to sort of <laughs> tie into, uh, lead into rather, uh, our empathy heroes. Yes. This is the part of the show where we, each of my guests and I uh, mention a, a hero of empathy, someone who is just so empathic, beautiful with their kindness and compassion toward other feely humans. I will go first to give you a moment. Um, I've been doing us just reading uh, quotes from authors I really like, quotes I like from authors I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from a book that I've read, The Druid of Shannara by Terry Brooks. Ooh. Have you ever read any Terry Brooks? No. But uh, that title so, makes me wanna. <laughs> there's some uh, right, right here on the shelf. Um, Terry Brooks is uh, a um, fantasy author. Okay, and, and that, those are the books that really got me into reading as a teenager. Um, and I, I love, I love Terry Brooks. Uh, so this is a quote from that book, uh, The Druid of Shannara. He says, "Quote: We live out our lives as we are meant to live them, with some choice, with some chance, but mostly as a result of the persons we are." Which is great. That's what we can control, right? Yeah. The people we are. Uh, The Earth isn't happening to us. The nothing's happening to us. It's just what is. Yeah. Right. We can't control that. We can control what we bring to it. Exactly. We're just experiencing it. That's right. So I I love that quote and I love Terry Brooks. And if you guys haven't read, and I'm talking to Brittany as well, (laughs) Terry Brooks, read Terry Brooks. He's a great fantasy author. And uh, it, you know, those are the books that got me into reading. So forever grateful for that. How about you? Your empathy hero. Right. Okay. Um, 
Well, I surround myself with people who um, are full of empathy, and there's too many for me to reasonably pick one without... Lies. Bold lies. It would be hard to... Well, for people I personally know, everyone around me is an empathy hero, but... Yeah, um, I I share share that. Yeah, someone outside myself, outside my circle. um, You know, I would say Ryan O'Neal of Sleeping at Last. I recommended his music to you before. Okay. But he's a big empathy hero for me. Um, he produces some pretty fantastic music. I have a Spotify playlist of all of his songs and it's just called for the dark days because he makes me feel better. Nice. (laughs) Um, but, uh, you know, he has a way of taking, um, even the happiest of songs and covering it and making it a little bit somber, which feels really nice. But the thing about him as of recently, especially that's really struck me as a huge, huge heroic act of empathy is he's in the midst of finishing up his second Atlas project, which is um, an album uh, dealing with different aspects of life. Last year, it was the external life, the world around us. And this year it's been the internal. Mm. And the last nine songs of this album are about the Enneagram. And what he's doing is he he's released eight of them. He's currently recording number nine. Should hopefully be out by May. But um, he is stepping into the shoes of each of the nine types. Mm. And he's taking every side of them. You know, their, their strengths, their struggles. And he is turning it into a song for them. And he's writing them a song, but it's not just any old song like it could be. He's writing them a redemption story. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, it's taken me on a wild journey, understanding myself and understanding others better. Um, I highly recommend it for, you know, getting to know people better a little bit, trying to look into their motivations. It's a big act of empathy to study it. But um, first time I heard the song for type two, I didn't know about the Enneagram and I was bawling just inconsolably because it was just this moment of feeling truly and deeply heard Mm, and spoken to and you know um the the theme of the type two song is maybe one day i'll get around to fixing myself too (laughs) and i heard that and it just hit me and it's also very full of natural disaster metaphors, which are my favorite. <laughs> yeah, okay. But, um, you know, the idea of love being this force of nature and, um, you know, trying to take care of others and having to learn how to take care of yourself too. Mm-hmm. And each of the types songs make me deeply emotional and they're so specific and well-crafted and he's just put his whole heart and soul on the line to make these songs that help other people feel heard and honor them and try and offer them a path towards redemption Mm. and to their best selves. And it makes me so happy every time I hear them and, you know, it helps me see other people better. And what's the artist's name again? He he produces music as Sleeping at Last, but his name is Ryan O'Neill. Okay. I'll make sure to link those in the show notes. That's uh, that sounds amazing. I, I need to take your advice and, and check that out uh, yeah. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's great. Um, soft and sweet music. Um, so if you're you know if you want to be like rocking out to hardcore, not the type for you. But he is wonderful, and his lyrics are just stunning. Okay, all over, Excellent. and lots of music. He produces so much. Okay, he's got a whole space series. 
that space yeah what? yeah he's got a space album and he produces songs about new astrological events okay um or astronomical shoot i can't remember which one it is but you know things that are happening astronomical in, yeah astronomical yeah. uh things that are happening in space right uh -huh. now like he just released um a song about uh Mars rover opportunity. And wow. So he's, he's a done, space nerd. Too. Oh, he's total space nerd. Okay. And it's nice because, um, you know, I am too. And it's nice to, you know, have a song that fits that kind of feeling of being this small thing in a big universe mm -hmm. and trying to, you know, find the beauty in all mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. It's good stuff. I love Definitely that. Definitely check him out. <laughs> I will. I will. Uh, where can listeners um, connect with you and, right. you know, get to know you? Right. Um, so I have a blog. Don't really post on it. I should. I'm uh, wrapping up my 25 before 25 exercise and uh, I haven't blogged about it at all, even though I was supposed to. So I'm going to have to catch up on that. <laughs> Why were you supposed to? Are you just putting that on yourself? It, it was um, It was like a project I wanted to do for myself, but I'm really, really good at procrastinating. Uh, be kinder to yourself. It's all right. It, it, it's fine. It'll You're happen 24. when it happens. You've, exactly. got, you've got time to do whatever. <laughs> exactly. Um, but um, access to that is on my Instagram. So my um, my regular handle is my full name, Brittany Marie Walsh. So B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y-M-A-R-I-E-W-A-L-S-H. Great. Um, and then I have another Instagram for more specific mental health stuff. Um, you know, I don't toss it around. I don't link it on my normal page, but it's not a secret. <laughs> so um, I'm also on Instagram as some kind of catastrophe with a Y. Uh so yeah, catastrophe with the why. And um, it's kind of just my space to, you know, talk about how I'm really feeling, um, what the kinds of weird emotional spaces I might be in. Um, it's just a place where I can be a little more open and honest without, you know, the casual acquaintances of Instagram. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fun. Nice. Um, so yeah, those two. And, you know, in my bio, I have links to my other things, my various blogs and websites and right. stuff nothing too serious or too exciting but still me hey, don't, out there on the don't web deprecate just <laughs> own it i don't do much with them but i do have stuff there and i have my writing there too oh, there if anyone's go. interested my thesis is available and accessible and stuff like it's that nothing more exciting interested. than reading a thesis nothing like reading 50 pages of <laughs> irish history oh my goodness but it is i made it fun okay <laughs> all right, all right. i'll take your word for it <laughs> yeah uh well thank you for being a guest on you me empathy of course thank yeah. you for having me of course it's been an honor yeah and listeners i'm here you're here we're here together on this wayward overwhelming awe-inspiring pale blue dot we have each other it's you me empathy